Hello, this is the Living Well with PMDD podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Bradford, certified life coach, mom of five, and PMDD survivor. Happy to have you here. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered health advice. Hello there, PMDD survivors. How are you doing today? I hope that it is a good day for you. Whatever is going on, I hope you're able to handle it and feel confident and feel some joy and happiness in some aspect of your life. For today's show, I wanted to share some updated news about PMDD that, well, I yeah, that says it all, right? Now, I don't know exactly how long some of these things have been around, but they're new to me. And then I want to share a ruling. I guess it's probably not called a ruling. It's a new guideline by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. So just some areas of support you can get. I'm going to cover a few of those in today's episode and then just tell you about this new guideline. And then a little bit about disability and if you are a working woman, how you might be able to get benefits because you have PMDD. So that's today for you. And uh, again, I just, I send you some hugs, some love. All right, let's get started. So one of the newer resources that I found is at iapmd.org, which stands for the International Association of Premenstrual Disorders. Their goal is to help women that have premenstrual disorders. I loved, I love what it says here, just um, on this in this kind of basic way. The International Association for Premenstrual Disorders is a not-for-profit organization providing education, support, advocacy, and resources for those affected by premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD, and premenstrual exacerbation of underlying disorders, PME. So, if you are looking for some help, and that sounds along the lines that you, you know, you want to go, check it out. I think it looks amazing, you know, along their um, their topic bar. It has donate about events, PMDD, PMD self-screen for patients, for professionals, support, surgery, facts, search. One thing that I have really noticed on here is it is definitely international. So. Um, yeah, if you're, you know, listening in from another country, the UK, or yeah, just somewhere outside of the United States, I think this is a great resource for you as well as those of us like myself that are living in America. So, and Canada as well, which obviously <laughs> part of North America, I'm like, it's out of the United States, but, uh, just had to throw a little nod in there to Canada, too. Okay, so um, the other resource I wanted to share with you is that there are Facebook groups. 
Some of them are more active than others, and some of them have kind of phased out, which totally makes sense. You know, women get passionate about helping people, and sometimes that lasts for a few months, sometimes it lasts for a year, sometimes it lasts longer. The group that I am actively engaged in on Facebook is titled, and it's a long title. (laughs) Interesting, I wrote it down so that I would get it right. PMDD slash PME slash Severe PMS Support and Information Group for Sufferers by Sufferers. And, oh, and I guess it says and company, but It is amazing. You can sign up anonymously to be part of this group. And it's it's just awesome. I want to share with you just a few of the recent comments. So this is an anonymous member. I throw tantrums like an eight-year-old. I'm in therapy. I try so hard to tap into my toolbox. But holy heck, when I get triggered, I act unacceptable. I get it, I have to heal and manage my triggers, but why does it feel so uncontrollable? Like a light switch. I wish I could pause, step away, take an antihistamine, or pop in headphones and self-regulate. It's impossible. I can't walk away. I don't stop until the rage monster has been filled. My poor boyfriend is on his way out. I hate myself. And, you know, she just, this is a spot where she can just say what she's feeling. And then people can chime in. I actually chimed in on this one because I describe my symptoms hitting similar to how she did, like a light switch. It is, it's just so strange to me how, how much it can just, all of a sudden, it's just like the switch just got turned off. And I'm like, oh no, like what, what happened? Right. And on the flip side, when I'm coming out of my, PMDD symptoms. It can be just like a light switch just flipped on. I'm like, oh, I'm back. I'm here. Like, okay. So I can relate to that piece of her experience that she's sharing. And I I just love that there's a place for women to uh, share these things. Another one I haven't actually read this one, so hopefully it'll still be uh, on par. But he literally doesn't do anything to make these 10 days any easier on me. Like, no effing regard at all to the fact that I'm not doing okay during this time and that maybe, just maybe, he'd put forth a little extra effort. I mean, I realize 30 days of him caring might be too much, but maybe those 10 days, he'd be friggin' Prince Charming and make me feel better. I'm losing my mind, and I'm unhappy anyway in this relationship. I know it's not going to get better. I'm all communicated out. For real, I'm sorry for venting, and I hope you could read my sarcasm, but I'm so exhausted. Again, that's another anonymous member, and I've definitely had those ideas. Like, why doesn't anybody care about me? I mean, this is a thing even before I knew I had PMDD, like just feeling like nobody gave a care about about me. And uh, logically, I could walk myself back because I have an incredibly loving family. And wherever we have lived, once we'd been there for even just a few weeks since we're a military family, 
there was someone that I knew actually cared, but doesn't make it easy to have those initial thoughts and then you, you know, you have to deal with them. I remember another comment on here, a, a, a mother was just like, I can't just stop and meditate because I have three kids. They're all still at home. None of them are in school yet. <laughs> She's just like, how do you handle this? And people give good, valuable information on this Facebook page, but they also will be honest. One of the responses to the the woman that put on here that she throws tantrums and why does it feel so uncontrollable, a, a woman answers, this has been my whole life. I wish I had something more positive to say, and I'm sorry that I don't. Just know you are not alone. I'm so sorry you have to go through this too. And I love that because sometimes that's all we can do for each other. Okay. I feel like I have gone on a little rant. Come back to me if you are thinking about other things. And I want to share with you um, this new guideline. And this is on the iapmd.org website. This is how I found this new guideline. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists created a new clinical practice guideline for severe PMS and PMDD. And to give you some background, and I am taking this from the International Association of Premenstrual Dysphoric Disorders website. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists announced the release of its clinical practice guideline for the management of premenstrual disorders. The document, which appears in the December 2023 issue of Obstetrics and Gynecology, is meant to provide recommendations for physicians in treating premenstrual disorders like premenstrual syndrome, PMS, and premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD. These updated recommendations are based on currently available evidence about treatments that work best and are safest for patients with PMDs. The guidelines discuss what treatments have the most evidence behind them, as well as those that are not recommended. They indicate what the standard of care is in the United States. And then here are just some takeaways. Again, according to, excuse me, the International Association Premenstrual Dysphoric Disorders website. The latest guidance from experts on treating PMS and PMDD indicates that antidepressants, specific forms of oral birth control, and CBT, or talk therapy, have the most evidence behind them. Another takeaway. Other options, including hormone agonists, exercise, calcium supplements, and certain types of pain relievers are less recommended, although they are not actively discouraging their use. Third takeaway, the ACOG guidelines advise against bilateral bufforectomy, removing the ovaries, with or without hysterectomy, removing the uterus, as a first-line treatment for PMS or PMDD. Fourth takeaway, experts say these guidelines will help both women and their doctors better understand these conditions so that women can get the health care they need. That is just exciting. I mean, to have your OBGYN, your family doctor, getting some newer guidance 
on these disorders. It's just awesome. I just had to share that with you. I love that. I'm not all for, you know, I'm not a huge regulation person. I'm not a huge, this is the way it has to be person. Take essential oils, for example. I don't necessarily want the FDA to get in there and regulate. I think with it. So just giving you that little piece, it's it's not that I think that we have to have permission from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists to do things, but I love that this is a resource that our doctors are going to be using, that they do use, that they refer to, that they trust. So for them to have better information, more updated information is incredible. This is also from the International Association of Premenstrual Disorders website. It's specifically about those guidelines being released. This is Tori Eisenlor Moll, PhD, chair of the IAPMD Clinical Advisory Board. She says, We are excited and relieved at the release of these guidelines, representing the first clinical practice guidelines from a major medical practice organization. This is an important step that will increase recognition and evidence-based treatment of premenstrual disorders by physicians, especially obstetrician gynecologists. The inclusion of global data suggesting high suicide risk in PMDs, which were generated through a collaboration between the IAPMD patient advocates and our clinical advisory board, represents an important recognition of the severity of symptoms in this hormone driven disorder. And then one other comment she makes, we are pleased that these guidelines represent a collaboration between gynecologists and psychiatrists as increased communication and collaboration between these disciplines is critical to ensure patients have access to the full spectrum of evidence-based treatments for PMDs. Okay, and then Sandy McDonald, an IAPMD executive director, says IAPMD supports the ACOG for recognizing that all OBGYNs need to be thinking more about diagnosing and treating premenstrual disorders like PMDD. More often because women slash AFAB are suffering in silence. And then another comment, which this, please pay attention to this, this will blow you out of the water. IAPMD's work helped inform these guidelines. Our 2018 Global Survey of Premenstrual Disorders the 2018 GSPMD, that found an extremely alarming number of people, 34% with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, have attempted suicide, published in BMC Psychiatry, is referenced. So that's referenced in these new guidelines. Also, IAPMD is included as a resource for patients and families. Can you believe that? 34% of women with premenstrual dysphoric disorder have attempted suicide. Anyhow, just if you think you have this, please take it seriously. And again, talk to a loved one. I know I say that probably way too much. One other thing was the workplace. What you should know. This is on that same website. If you go, if you find PMDD and the workplace, it's under the tab for patients. But there's a section that says what you should know. 
You may be entitled to job-protected leave under the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA, when leave is needed due to the symptoms of PMDD. You may also be entitled to receive reasonable accommodations at work under the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA. There's no comprehensive list of accommodations that employers are required to consider or provide, and so each situation must be addressed case by case. A reasonable accommodation is any change or adjustment to a job or work environment that enables you to perform job duties when limited by your medical impairment. Third thing to know, to receive an accommodation under the ADA, you will need to explain that you have a medical condition impairment that limits your ability to perform job duties or meet standards or may require you to sometimes take time off from work. And lastly, if you request an accommodation or time off from work, you may need to have your healthcare provider substantiate that you have a medical impairment or serious health condition that requires accommodation and or leave. That is just some good information, right? Good to know. At least I think it's good for me to know. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I do not have a full-time job that someone else is paying me. I am self-employed as a life coach for women with PMDD. So it doesn't really apply to me, but I feel like so many women in the workplace have less time to, you know, look up the options and, you know, you're working eight hours a day for someone else and then you're coming home to your children and, you know, it might hit 11 at night and you can finally Google something. But, um, so I wanted to include that for those of you that are in that boat. And, uh, I think that's going to be it today. I love you. Take care of yourself. Reach out either in a support group or directly to me. I'm happy to talk with you and help you figure out how this crazy disorder is affecting your life and how to make it not affect your life as much. Thanks so much for listening to the Living Well with PMDD podcast. If this episode was insightful, please add a five-star review and tell a friend about the podcast. Until next time, keep hoping, keep loving, and remember that you are not alone.